Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to share the Word of God. And we thank you that your Word has become life to us and health to all of our flesh. And that although heaven and earth shall pass away, your words will live on throughout eternity. And the words that we hear that Jesus spoke, they are spirit and they are life. And your words, dear Father God, we know. Touch hearts. Penetrate souls. Change people from glory to glory. And Father, we submit to you that our heart's desire is to be changed by what we hear. And to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. That we might walk in the perfect plan and purpose that you have for our lives. That we might be shining vessels of light, holding forth the word of life to this generation. That they might see our good works and glorify you, our Father in heaven. Our desire, dear Father, is to rise up above that which makes us a people. That are only submitted to a form of godliness. And become a people that do not deny the power of God. A people that invite your glory to infiltrate our hearts, our lives, this ministry, this church. Until each of us is aglow with your spirit. And everywhere we go, praise God, if need be, people fall under the power as they get near us. Our desire is to be changed from glory to glory until we, dear Father, emanate and emulate. The very life, nature, and glory of the living God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Is that your desire tonight? Hallelujah. To be changed from glory to glory. Until his life pours out of you and touches the lives of others. Amen. And many have achieved that degree of glory. That was Paul's longing desire. He said that he would like to have his flesh swallowed up with the life, the Zoe life of the living God. Amen. Praise God. And we've been called to that. In the book of Numbers, we're talking about signs and wonders. In the book of Numbers, chapter 14, and beginning at verse 11, signs and wonders are very important. And they have their place in the plan of God. And it's important that we recognize that and also realize how God sees the work of signs and wonders from his perspective. And look at here. He saw a need. He met the need. In meeting the need, he demonstrated signs and wonders among the people. And the people responded in a way that he wasn't pleased with. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I showed among them, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and will make of thee a greater nation mightier than they. He's talking about he brought them out of Egypt. Devastating signs and wonders that shook the Egyptian kingdom to its foundation. He brought them out through the wilderness with signs and wonders of cloud by day and of fire by night. Parting the Red Sea. Bringing manna down from heaven. 
4,500 tons every day. Water out of a rock, 11 million gallons every day. Can you imagine that? Water came out of a rock like rivers, it says. And yet when they got to the promised land, and listen carefully, all those signs, all those wonders, when they got to the promised land, you would think they'd be motivated to step into the land believing that God would do what? Show his glory. Manifest his continued signs and wonders among the people. But no, when they got there, what did they say? We can't do it. We can't do it. There comes a time when God expects people to rise up and use their faith so he can continue manifesting his glorious power in their lives. Under the leadership of Moses, they failed to get in. But God raised up a new breed, hallelujah, a new breed of people, did he not, under Joshua. And see, I believe this was God's plan for the people under Moses, just to rise up and just go in. And God would have continued to manifest his glorious power, and his glory would have been made known among the people. And it was as the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. But look what it took. So God was angry. Because they refused. Now look at chapter, the same chapter, look at verses 20 through 24. His signs and wonders are designed to get people to believe that he is the living God. You think Nebuchadnezzar believed he was the living God when he delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the burning fire furnace? Absolutely. To get them to know that he exists and he rewards those who diligently seek him. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. After he said they have seen my glory, I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to raise up a new people under you, Moses. Moses interceded for the people. And after Moses got done interceding for the people, God said this. I have pardoned according to your word, but as truly as I live. Listen to that statement. This is God swearing by an oath. As truly as I live means I am swearing on my existence. Would you call that strong terminology? I am swearing on my existence. As truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Whoa. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely... They shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, he had followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. I believe that if they would have just continued by faith, believing what God said, they would have seen more signs and seen more wonders and manifestations of the glorious power of God. But because they chose to ignore all that God did for them, they were denied the glory of God. They were denied it. And that should speak to our hearts as well. We need to continue believing to see the glory of God manifested among us individually and as a church body. Every single one of us should desire this. I want an active experience in God. What about you? Not passive. I want it active. I want to see the glory of God in manifestation in my life. Hallelujah. Well, God vowed that the whole earth would be filled with his glory. And I do believe that one day that's going to occur. 
that will take place. The full manifestation of that will be take place when he sets up his kingdom here upon the earth and renovates the earth by fire. Then this whole earth will be filled with the glory of God, the new heavens and a new earth. But until that time comes, don't you want to experience the glory of God? The power, the glory, the majesty of the presence, the divine presence of God in your life individually, in your family, and also in your church body? Isn't that what this assembly is all about? To provide an opportunity for God to manifest himself in the praises of his people and to show up every time we gather together and show himself strong, display his awesome power, touch hearts, change lives, meet needs. I believe so. Well, there's no greater sign. Look at Romans 6.14. There is no greater sign given to humanity than the sign of Jesus Christ being raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Therefore, we are buried with him. In, in your notes, it says 14, but that should be four. My mistake. That should be four, not 14. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, how? By the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Take a moment with me and let's just journey back a little bit to Calvary. His death, his burial, and now his resurrection. Can you imagine there, being there, and you're walking like Mary was and some others to the tomb. They're going to finish the embalming process. And when you get there, you're in for the surprise of your life. The glory of the Father was in manifestation, which, according to Ephesians, was the greatest manifestation of the glory and power of the living God. I could say it this way. It took him six days to create all things. And then he rested on the seventh day. It took him 4,000 years. Think about it. To remedy the mistake man made in the garden. 4,000 years prior to that. It was the greatest working of God's almighty power. Because it involved a complete pouring of himself out unto death in the person of his son. And I know when people try to understand the Trinity, they get stumped thinking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. How can we figure that out? Well, take an ice cube. You got, what do you got? Solid, liquid, and gas? Take an egg. And what do you have? You got the egg. You got the shell. You got the white and the yolk, right? You got all three. It's still one. It's called an egg, but it's there's three in one, right? Well, God the Father planned a plan of redemption. Jesus the Son came and carried it out. And the Holy Ghost makes it good, a reality with all of our lives. Each one played a significant role in our salvation and our redemption. So the Father, He's the blueprint designer. He's the master designer of it. Jesus came down and He's, you could say that He's the construction engineer. He's the one that worked it all out. But then, praise God, when He said, I commend my, my spirit in your hands, O Lord. And there He was after His death. He depended on the third person of the Trinity, the third person of deity, the third person to enter into the bowels of the earth and bring him up from the dead, which is by the glory of the Father. And this was the greatest working of Almighty God when he raised him up from the dead, out of that tomb, out of that grave. What a display of awesome power. Look in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, when the apostle Paul praying for the church at Ephesus, here's what he says. I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance and saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, 
which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. This was the exceeding greatness of God's power that raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the majesty on high. It doesn't get greater than this. So in other words, to raise you up and to raise me up out of spiritual death and darkness and an eternity in a lake of fire took a display of the greatest working of the power of Almighty God. Anything else is child's play as far as God is concerned. That took everything that God had because he poured himself out completely to death to achieve it. What a thought. But can you imagine being there? Maybe you're one of those, Mary or the, uh, another Mary, and, but you're standing there all of a sudden, you see the stone rolled away. You see an angel sitting on the stone looking at you. What's up? Hey, how you doing? What are you looking for? Can you imagine being one of those Roman soldiers there? You remember they had a quaternion of soldiers that were there, so 16 of them that were there, and they would, you know, some would sleep, some would stand watching, all that sort of thing. It says there was such a display of the awesome power of God. The earth began to quake, and when the stone was, probably the stone that was hurled away, and there they were, it says that they were as dead men. Now, when I read that, my mind goes here. Were they dead lying on the ground from the glorious power of God that, that was displayed right there before them when the glory appeared? Or were they just like statues, just dead like statues? Whatever the case was, there was an angel there. The glory was there. The power of God that was there raised Jesus up. And they were probably lying prostrate on, prostrate on the ground like dead people. What a display of power. And can you imagine witnessing that? Seeing that, watching that, wouldn't that have been tremendous to witness? I believe that God's going to display this for us when we get on the other side in glory. He's got some big spiritual theater somewhere with a big, big screen. So if someone says you've got a 70-inch screen, whatever, don't, don't, don't let them brag like that. God's got a screen that the whole world's going to be able to see. Praise God. He's going to display. Put it on display. We're going to see Jesus rising up, defeating the devil and his bunch, taking back our authority, going back to heaven, sprinkling his blood on the mercy seat, re re obtaining eternal redemption for us, and then standing there and saying, all hell, I was dead, but I'm alive. And behold, I was, I'm alive forevermore. I've got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Praise God. Now rise up in the power of my name and go forth. You know what? We should walk in resurrection power. Every one of us. Hallelujah. We can and we should. Can you say amen? Is that your longing desire? Well, we can if we'll just do what God wants us to do. So notice here in Psalm 8 and verse 5. When Adam sinned, sin caused him to fall short of the glory of God. He fell short of the glory of God. How do I know that? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with what? Adam was crowned with glory and honor. He was the highest of God's creation. Crowned with glory. Surrounded by glory and honor. He was living in an environment of glory. Praise God. He was walking on this planet with the, with the living God. And having a dialogue with him every day at the cool of the day. Imagine that. You see the glory that he had was so amazing. That he can stand in the presence of God and talk with him and, and share with him, etc., etc. Well, when he sinned, he fell short of the glory of God. And he's removed from that environment of God's glory. Taken out of that realm and fell to this lower realm that we live in right now. But Jesus came. And Jesus came on a mission.
What was that mission? Hebrews 2 verse 10. English Standard Version of the Bible tells us. He came to restore man's lost glory. He came to restore it. And I'm glad that he did. Look at the book of Hebrews. Uh, chapter 2. And verse 10. God for whom and through whom everything was made. Chose to bring many children into glory. Are you a child of God? You know you've been brought into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus through his suffering a perfect leader. Fit to bring them into their salvation. You realize that Jesus restored the glory that we lost. And here's the thing. We have it. But it's hidden. Under this flesh. The glory of God we have as a hidden treasure in each and every one of us. It's there. It exists. It's very much alive. Notice in John 17 and verse 22, this is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. This is from the New Living Translation. And in this prayer, he prays this. And the glory which you gave me, I've given them. If you can't shout, your shouter's plugged up. Did you, did you read with me? And the glory, Father, that you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one as we are one. We need to say that about a hundred times. I've got the glory that Jesus had. I possess the glory that Jesus had. Jesus, I know someone's going to say out there, but he's talking to his apostles. I'm so glad you said that. Because look at 2 Corinthians. And chapter 4. And verses 6 and 7. For God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Only God can do that. Has shined in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in pots of clay. In earthen vessels. We have this glory on the inside of us. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So where's the glory that we have that Jesus gave us, that he restored to us, that he's called us into glory? It's on the inside of us. We have the glory of God. And this is an amazing statement that raised up Jesus from the dead. For if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, who was raised by the glory of the Father, dwell in you, then he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body by his spirit that raised him up from the dead that dwells in you. So we have this active force on the inside of us, the glory of God. But you see, religion has taught us to look outwardly and failed to have us look inwardly. We have this treasure. Earthen vessels, one translation says, a pots of clay. Okay, so we've got the glory of God on the inside of us. But it's hidden. Remember Jesus said, don't hide your light under a bushel. Let it shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we have been brought to glory. We have the glory. It's the glory that Jesus had. It's on the inside of each and every one of us. And what God wants it to do is to burst out from the inside of us and manifest through us. And touch the hearts and lives of the people that we associate with and that we minister to. And it's important that we focus on this truth and also proclaim it and declare it. Because most people, they don't. What they do is talk about their weaknesses and maybe their faults and failures and all that. 
We need to spend, like I said about a hundred times, I have the glory of Jesus in me. I've got the power alive in me right now. I am filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is a powerful statement that the Apostle Paul made here to the church at Corinth. But we all with open face, in other words, unveiled face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same glory, same, same image rather, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit, of the Lord. You realize that that is what the Christian life is all about. A transformation taking place in our lives. We're going from glory to glory. One degree of glory to another degree of glory. As we unveiled. What does he mean by unveiled? We need to have the scales removed from our eyes. An unveiling of the things that we can't see about ourselves. That would shield the glory of God from manifesting and in us. And transforming us further. So in other words he is saying look. Look into the mirror of God's word. And as you see what the word says that you have in Christ and that who you are in Christ and what you can do through Christ, when you see that, if you see that it's not, may say, manifesting in your life, then do what? Acknowledge it. Get yourself before the throne of God and say, Father, change me. Change me from glory to glory. What does he mean by that? As an unveiled face... I'm looking to the word that says, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. And if you're used to letting the sun go down upon your wrath and you don't change in your life, then guess what? You're not operating in that degree of glory. How am I going to go from glory to glory if I don't, first of all, satisfy that degree of glory? In the Greek, this is what he's talking about. See yourself in the mirror of God's word and say, okay, am I one who forgives? Maybe I hold grudges and I'm bitter and all that sort of thing and, and I have a difficult time with that. Well, then you need to get to that place or that degree of glory that you say, no matter, no matter what anybody does to me, I am not going to walk in unforgiveness. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to show mercy. Now you're fulfilling that degree of glory. Now God says, I can take you from that degree of glory to a higher degree of glory because you're moving from glory to glory. Let's just say that you're really, forgive the word, stingy, that you're not a giver, okay? And that it's like he's got to twist your arm to be a giver. You're not walking in that level of glory. And with an unveiled face, in other words, shine the light of your scrutiny upon my life. And if that's an area where I'm missing it, Lord, I want to change there. Because I know that you're not going to take me from that degree of glory to another degree of glory if I haven't fulfilled that degree of glory. So I am going to submit myself to your will and I am going to become a giver and I'm going to give cheerfully from my heart to support your work and also to be a blessing to other people that are in need. And once you make that decision, guess what? You've graduated from that degree of glory and he elevates you to a higher degree of glory because you see, that's the transformation that's taking place in our lives. And so let's just say that you're saved. And praise God that you are saved. You're operating in that degree of glory. But you know there's another higher degree of glory? You can come and also get filled with the Holy Ghost and power and operate in a higher level of glory. So it's almost, you could say, we're limited by the decisions that we make to operate in the glory of God that we know to operate in so that God can take us to a higher level of glory. If we know that we should be involved in praying certain things in our daily lives, 
how's God going to take us to a higher degree of glory in prayer if we don't fulfill that degree of glory? So I'm going to be one that you can count on that's going to pray. So I want to conclude this by talking just for a moment about the law of sowing and reaping. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verses, I believe, 7 and 8. Don't be deceived, God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to his spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So in other words, the law of sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest, is a law, a natural law and a spiritual law. We understand that. So if you sow corn, what do you expect to reap? If you sow beans, what do you expect to reap? Beans. Common. We know that. Well, let me give you an illustration. A bank, don't quote me on this, is offering 25% CDs. If you put a, in a, your money in a CD for one year, they're offering you 25%. Would anybody bite into that? Anybody at all? Mm-hmm. Well, these two guys found this out, that this bank was offering 25%. And so they both, in, at separate times, went down to the bank and they put some money in a CD for one year. And it would yield, of course, 25% at the end of the year. Well, they were friends and didn't realize, that, didn't talk this thing over. One put in $10,000 and the other one put in $100,000. At the end of the year, uh, the one brother, a fellow called the other fellow up and he said, um, hey, I just looked at my statement. I made $25,000 on my money. And the guy goes, whoa, let me find out what I made. He, he made $2,500 on his money. He's like, you made 25000 How many made 2500 Well, how much did you invest in it? 10000 How much did you invest in it? 100000 Think about it. What we sow is what we're going to reap. How much are we investing in the things that promote the glory of God in our lives? If we make small investments, how much glory are we going to experience? A lesser amount. If we sow or invest more, what are we going to experience? A greater measure or degree of glory. So if we invest in the things that promote the glory of God and spend time doing so, what's going to happen? We're going to experience a greater manifestation of the glory of God. And why am I saying that? Because of just what we had done here tonight. We can come to a church service and we can just uh, just want to come and be entertained or come and put our time in and that sort of thing. Or you know what? We can come with the desire to invest time in the study of the word, in prayer, in praise and worship and seeking the face of God. We can do it here in church. We can go and do it at home. And the point is this. To what level we invest is to what level we're going to reap. You can have a small parcel of land and plant corn and get a small amount of corn. Or you can have acres of land and get a tremendous amount of corn. If we want more of the glory of God, it might mean that we may spend a little bit more time with God in studying his word. And also prayer and praise and worship. With the understanding that I'm investing in the glory of God. 
And while I'm in that place, Lord, by the way, I'm going to ask you to search my heart and try my reins. Show me any areas of my life that I'm stopping the flow of your glory in my life. I want transformation. If a husband's not loving his wife as Christ loved the church, he's putting a stop to a greater level of glory in his life, in his marriage, and vice versa with the wife. Can you see this concept? Because what we sow is what we're going to reap. So if we want a greater dimension of glory, you know what we need to do? Invest more time in truly ministering to the Lord. Now, listen, we can come to good lights and just sing a song here, a song there, and that's it. Or you can come and you can say, I am going to praise my God. I am going to worship him. I'm going to throw myself completely into him because I want to experience a greater measure of the glory of God in my life. And what that means is this, investing it like this. You know, when you start to praise and worship God, how sometimes your mind can wander and go astray. Does your mind, your brain sometimes go to lunch when you're trying to do something? Does it step out? Once in a while. Does it, does it, in other words, here you are, oh, I love you, Jesus, and then I've got laundry to do at home, and, you know, it just starts to, right, right am I, am I, yeah. or, oh, my goodness, I've got to cut the grass. The grass needs to be cut, and it's getting high and all that. It's, is it going to rain tomorrow? And all of a sudden, you know, you're distracted. Know that that's the enemy trying to get you to stop your investment. Get that thing under control and just say, stop it. This is the time that I set you, my mind, on the things of God. I'm here to praise the living God. I'm here to worship the living God. I'm going to praise you, dear Father God, and until your glory begins to manifest and fall, I'm going to worship you and honor you in this place, and I'm expecting you to show up and demonstrate who you are here among the people. I believe that God wants us to put on a display, praise God, that will honor him in such a way that hearts will long for who he is and what he has. You know, we want to get our loved ones into the kingdom of God. Beloved, there is no better way than to have the manifestation of the glorious power of the living God just pour out of you when they're in your presence and they see it on you. It is dripping from you. It creates a joy in you that's unspeakable and full of what? Glory. You've got joy unspeakable. It's full of glory. It's contagious. They see it in you and they wonder. But if they see you acting like you shouldn't act as a Christian, you think they want that? Do you think that promotes a higher level of glory? Absolutely not. You know, someone says, doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if I do this, I do that. Yes, it does matter to God. You know why? Because this temple is the temple of the Most High God. It is His temple. And did you know before He filled the temple with the glory, He cleansed it? Do you realize that? He cleansed it first. When Jesus came to the earth, He cleansed the temple at the beginning of His ministry and at the end of His ministry. What was he doing? He was getting it prepared for the glory. That's what he was doing. Getting it prepared for the glory. So if we want to get to higher levels of glory, the things that maybe displease God or the things that we could think, well, that's okay if I go here, do here, do what? You know what? It may be, but, but Paul said not all things are, are really profitable for us. And so if we make a decision to, to go higher in God, and praise God, we'll have a greater manifestation of the glory of God. Now, I don't know about you. When I come to church, I'm longing for that. I want to see people that are, that are brokenhearted to be restored. I want to see people, first of all, that are lost to be saved. That's number one. 
And if you're brokenhearted, to be restored. I want to see marriages put together, knit together by the hand of God's love as, as we proclaim the truth of His Word. And all of a sudden, it penetrates the hardest heart because the glory of God is manifesting and it penetrates the hardest heart of a person and really touches them in such a way so as to produce within them a love that binds that, that marriage together. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.